buttoned that up. I'm very relaxed, as you can tell. I've been stretching. That was a shit clap, mate. That was pretty shit. Says <laughs> you. So, um, coming. So, uh, we've got Kane Shepherd and uh, Brandon from Epic Co- Epic Training, Epic Coaching, Epic Coaching, yep. Epic yep. Coaching. Fucking, where did this love? Af- where did the love affair start? Oh, between us. <laughs> yeah. This is. We actually hate each other. Yeah, I was actually surprised you asked us both on. Like, we actually hate each other. I didn't. (laughs) This guy just showed up one day, wouldn't bloody fucking leave. Yeah. Yeah. Been been training with Brando, what, three years now? Three and a half years? Yeah, so we actually met through uh, one of uh, Kane's mates uh, coming in for some powerlifting training, and his mate didn't come back, and Kane stuck around and got. Got really strong. Much to Brando's dismay. <laughs> <laughs> because what's the what's the base level start? It's it's a it's a it's a set of lifts that gauge your your overall. It's like a set of kilos, isn't it? Like, so at, at a powerlifting comp, you got three lifts. So your main lifts are your uh, squat, bench, and deadlift. You get three attempts at each. <clears throat> so you need to obviously pass. You got three judges. Um, get three white lights for each lift, um, for it to count. Um, you can't go down in weight, you can only go up. So if you fuck one, you either I don't know, pull a miracle out and fucking get it next time or you fucking game, game over. Uh, so people do bomb out because they, you know, come in without a coach or knowledge of what they're doing. And, um, you know, the bro code kicks in and they fucking just pick some stupid fucking weight and uh, struggle. You know, squatting half squats and that. That's a bit different in comp. But yeah, so like uh, out of those three events, your highest <laughs> attempt gets put together to create a total. And then it's based on whoever has the biggest total at the end of the day in that weight class takes first place. And so where where do you come in when you're like a dude going to the gym and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm strong and I can bench? Like, what's that ba- benchmark when you actually call yourself a powerlifter or, or a strongman? Is there a magical number where you're like, bro, you're not in the club, mate, get out? No, nah, man, like it's a pretty like a welcoming sport. Like I train a lot of novices starting out. And, you know, I've trained females who could barely bench the bar when they first walk in and I've, uh, I've trained males who couldn't even bench 60 kilos. So there's no real base level, um, but there is a starting point. And whenever you start, there's always – only one one way to go, and that's forward and up. So anyone can do it. It's just a matter of, okay, you know what? I actually need to learn how to do this properly, which is usually a result of either injury or actually that's no, pretty much just injury and I want to get better. It's probably one of the biggest things I hear too is like because I advocate for people to come across and do the sport because it's fucking – it's cool, yeah? And um, you oh, know, Only oh, we think it's cool, bro. Yeah. But, only only the weight you lift are cool, mate. If I went, like, <laughs> you're squatting sixty kilos, max, and it was a half. I don't know, man. I, I seem to remember you held the one RAR bench record there for a bit, didn't you? Still up there, ten years is later. <laughs> what is it? One fifty. There you go. You're already there. There mate. you go. That'll do. That's that'll not bad. Is one. There you go, little <laughs> fella. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's there's no real prerequisite as long as you're. You're willing to have a go and um, willing to commit to the process. Like you can't not get stronger. It's you know 
if you get the right coach, then you know you're going to go in leaps and bounds um, from any sort of starting point, really. Even a day one walking in off the street, you know, within 12 weeks, you could be comp ready, ready to lift some decent weights. And the other thing too is it's all relative, yeah. Like, like I was just saying off air, I'm 160 kilos, so and you put that up against you know someone who's 100 kilos and they're lifting not much less than me, then you know comparatively they're stronger anyway. So you know, it's all it's all part of the rule. Is that part of who wins? Like, is it is it based on how much you lift? Relative to so, how heavy you are, or yeah, so there's different weight classes, and there's a few different federations within Australia. But majority, they all sit around like a male typical weight class will start at 67 kilos, uh, and then jump to 75, 82, 90s, 100s, 110s, and then 125s, 140s, and then super heavyweights. So yeah. So you know, what I mean is like say say um, me and Max are both super heavyweights. Uh, and he's he's a little bit fatter than me, so he's like an extra two kilos. We both yep. lift the same weight. Do I win? You yes, win. you you win oh. on body weight. Yeah. What are you weighing, Max? Uh, <laughs> depends on what. So the, I mean, and there's two arguments. To metric, mate. Metric. <laughs> uh, I'm a what am I at the moment? A one hundred one hundred one. Depends on if I'm naked or not. I've had a shave. You pretty much have to weigh in just your jocks or naked. Has anyone Don't done naked? In. Like, I'll take the naked option. <laughs> I just I weigh in naked all the time just to fuck with the guy weighing me in. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Kane. Easy way, to... Get... <laughs> Easy way to pick up dates, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, and this is what this is my go-to. Once, once I give up uh, on on trying to find a six-pack, I've ordered it. It's not coming. I think COVID's really delayed it. But I'll be moving forward. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to say I'm a powerlifter and just tell them that this is just my powerlifting body. Is that is that accurate? Do they do they say weight moves weight, or are they saying it's all bullshit? It's just, nice, that's all. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> of course, he will say that. Look, there's an argument that can be made for mass moves mass. At the end of the day, like. Someone with, you know, we'll take Kane. Kane and I are perfect examples of completely different body shapes. Obviously, he's round and I'm tall and slender. But <laughs> being a bit rounder, having a bit more leverage, functional mass, we'll call it, um, around his hips and his belly actually supports him a lot in certain aspects, like when he's squatting and in the hole of the squat, he can really use that to his advantage. Whereas I suck at squatting because I don't have a gut like that. Everything that I do is 10 times harder because I'm not built for this sport. I just so happen to fucking love it. And it's always shit when you fall in, fall in love with a sport that you suck at. <laughs> but using your, like, through biomechanical advantages, you know, like I'm a way better deadlifter than Kane ever will be just because of the way I'm built. So I was going to lift more. <laughs> so if, if if frame and body shape so like is important how is like the, the guys that are leading the world are these seven foot dudes like in my mind that doesn't make sense that a seven foot dude is good at squatting it comes back to like if we look at so the biggest and best powerlifter in, in the world right now is a bloke named dan bell from america his total is 1142.5 kilos so that's he's in Across three lifts, he's totaled 1,142 kilos. It's fucking huge and absolutely stupid. He squatted, 
Uh, from memory, 455 kilos, benched about 260, 270, and then pulled 410. So just absolutely stupid numbers. He's probably about uh, 6'3", 6'4", but he's weighing in at close to 200 kegs. Like, that is a big motherfucking dude. We look at half Thor. So Thor from the guy from Games of Thrones, probably the most famous strong strength uh, sports athlete in the world. That guy's like seven foot five, and he's weighing in at two dollars ten. What the actual fuck? Like, <laughs> that is—he just looks like a guy that's been locked in a cage for twenty six years and then just sprung out on the world. But I, you know, mate, I can't believe it. Genetically gifted. But even, so, even in Australia, like there's a bloke over in Perth, Dylan Hyreedle. He he just become the first man in history to squat a thousand. And it's got a thousand pounds. A thousand pounds. So what's that for? Four fifty-five kilos and deadlift nine hundred pounds, which is uh, four ten in the in same, same comp. Um, who again was like nine foot tall and one hundred and sixty <laughs> kilos? Did you just say he squatted <laughs> more than he did? Yeah, yep. yeah. So he squatted four four hundred fifty-five kilos and deadlifted four ten, and that's what you usually find at that top top-level athlete. Obviously, Scott being the first lift, you're always going to have a bit more in the tank for it, but a lot of your top athletes will always squat more than they than they deadlift. So what's the difference between – so you guys are, are, are powerlifters, um, mm-hmm. and then those boys are all, all the strong men, like lifting fucking Atlas balls. And Is that something you'd ever, you ever thought about getting – or do you, do you cross over? There is a lot of crossover. Um, I've dabbled in a bit of a strongman before. It's it's fucking hard. Like it's I, I look at powerlifting and what we do is, you know, it takes a takes a certain person to put a stupid amount of weight on their back and fucking come down and squat back up with it. And then you look at strongman, they take it to the next level. They're putting stupid amounts of weight on their back and then moving with that. It's just I've never been more fucking sore and couldn't train for like a week after from one strongman comp. It's just insane. I do have a desire to to give it a go one day, but <clears throat> sort of where I'm at with powerlifting at the moment and the plans that Brando and I have got in place, um, it'll take too much away from powerlifting for me at the moment and it'll postpone. And like Sutz was saying, he's 34, I'm 35, like not getting any younger, so... <laughs> You know, if I, if I don't achieve it in sort of the next five years, five to seven years, you know, it's probably not going to happen. So yeah, I was going to say the 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 max age limit like for for powers is a bit older, isn't it? Like you can yeah, you can still get stronger it. into your thirties. Yeah, yeah. Like I've so I'm very lucky enough to uh, have rubbed shoulders with some of the best in the world, and they're all over the age of forty. Uh, one lifter I coach, uh, his name's Luke Poley. He was the first man in Australia at age forty to squat four hundred. Like, he's just like a fine wine, just got better with age. I think as you get older too and you get more mature, the the bro mentality goes away as well. And you start to feel the aches and pains a bit more. So you you become very, like, very much more smarter with your recovery and your training and that as well. Yeah, you know? 100%. I think the little things take more priority. Like, you look at your nutrition, you look at your prehab, your mobility and all sorts of things just to get that little bit extra out of your body. And especially over, you know, the age of 35 when it is, you know, things are starting to work against you in terms of physical athletic ability. Even technique. Like I um, 
I mean, I, I don't want to speak for powerlifting because I'd really know nothing about the sport, but I know the older I get, I used to walk in the gym when I was 18 and just be like, wait, just throw heaps of weight on. Yeah. I want to get ginormous. I used to look up to like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ronnie Coleman and be like, I just want to be Jack like them because yeah. as an 18-year-old kid, that's what you want. And my technique was probably dog shit and it's it, you, you end up getting like, disproportionate muscle growth and like even now the the only thing that's uh, it's got me to get like focus just on lightweight really good technique is is the fact that my body is fucking falling apart go to the physio and she's like no more weights mate you got three months of just doing um single leg deadlifts with air i'm like oh that's that's super sexy yeah and that's the that's the thing like we see a lot of people come into the sport and you know, you mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ronnie Coleman, like two of my biggest motivations when I was fucking a little bit younger, going to the gym, training arms every day, thinking I was going to be Coleman. Then I didn't. Then I realized I wasn't Ronnie Coleman, and I'm, I'm white, not black, <laughs> and small. Yeah, and I'm small as shit. <laughs> but like those two guys, you know, they had a background in powerlifting before they actually went onto the bodybuilding stage. Like Ronnie Coleman squatted fucking 365 kilos for a double. Like that's fucked. And his only regret to this day is not is that he just didn't do it for five. Like it's it's ridiculous. And they said the foundation for I think I think all strength sports owe Arnold Schwarzenegger a massive thank you because without him, like there would be you no know, this ideal alpha male to look up to and aspire to. And like we look at barbell sports like weightlifting, powerlifting, even CrossFit to a degree. It's because of Arnold Schwarzenegger that we all saw pumping iron and him moving barbells like a fucking god that we were all like, yeah, let's go do that. 100%, mate. Like in the 90s, like around Schwarzenegger's era, when he started 80s, 90s, started making moves, before that, bulk was not sexy. It was like yeah. aerobics and fucking and, and stretchy bodies were, were cool. And that, that's slowly coming back in. But even CrossFit now, like CrossFit, you watch it. Like I, I sit down and watch CrossFit reruns. And it's entertaining, and and part of it's because they're super fit, but the other part is because they've got rigs on them, like they're yeah, big wow. dudes, muscly people, and it's like it's, it's inspiring to watch. And without Arnie, we would have been watching people do yoga competitions. <laughs> that would have been like watching a game of fucking chess. <laughs> is um, but is, there, is there much? Is there much injuries doing it? Because I saw a video, Jess, one of our um brought up a video uh, of a dude breaking both of his knees oh, doing a bro so that's been sent to me about like a gazillion times and i excuse like that triggers me because i watched that video and i'm like this guy had no right to attempt that weight like i don't know i'm speaking from my own opinion i don't know his training background i don't know what he's done in training all this shit but man you watch that guy unrack that weight and you're like you don't have that man like Put it back in the rack. You've got to hurt yourself. I refuse it's, to watch it. Oh, it's just like, why are you doing this? You know, it's it's the risk of injury is there. Like we're doing something so insanely stupid in a sense. Like we're putting external heavy fucking loads and putting our body through a stupid amount of stress for you know for a first place medal, really. But comes back to what Sats was saying though with form. So it, you know. When I first come to Brando three years ago, I thought I was <laughs> killing it. Like, right. there's a video on my Instagram from like three years ago. I think it was two fifty. It was two fifty two, and it was horrible. Like a, a quarter squat, 
screaming to try and get it back up. Like, and like the bros at the gym I was at high five me. Oh man, you're so strong. That was sick, bro. Then I come to this guy and he's like, you're a fuckwit. Like, you know, hurt yourself, you dickhead. I remember seeing this video. Like, he sent me his video. He's like, yeah, I squat 252 and I've watched it. And I just laughed. I was like, you don't squat 50, 252. Like, you don't. And then, you know, eight weeks later, I had my first comp with him and squatted 237.5. And with proper technique, like, the amount of change and physical um, differences between that 252 and the 237 is chalk and cheese like fuck. I'll send you the video just because I like to <laughs> troll Kane. It is embarrassing. But, like, risk of injury is imperative. Like, as I said before, we're putting stupid loads on, on our back. It's something that we try to mitigate. Like, we can't really reduce the risk of injury completely when you're, you're playing around with external loads. But we powerlifting is not really a hard sport to understand. Like, it's three basic movements. And as long as you understand movement patterns and biomechanical leverages, there's a certain pattern that we know. Like, if we look at just from the, the sport overall, we're going to have an overdeveloped anterior um, chain. So you're thinking like your, your pecs, your quads, um, and a very underdeveloped posterior chain. So upper back, hamstrings, glutes, and things like that. We know that if we keep doing that and we keep uh, accentuating those discrepancies, there's going to be injury. So there's ways to, I guess, release it or work around it so we don't get injuries and hopefully prevent it or at least prolong it. But And then you get freak accidents. Like I've seen people snap their humeruses. I've seen people tear biceps off the bones. I've seen people tear quads off the bones. And the chicken at gym here, what, eight weeks ago, snapped her yeah. arm benching. Yeah, um, like snapped her humerus or her upper arm benching. And that's if we watched her technique, like you can see there's a lot of torque and tension being placed through the bone. Now, I don't know exactly the amount of tension required to break a bone, but it's a fucking lot. So if you're not in the correct position when you're, you, you know, you're training and you've got this person who's coming down on their bench and they start to putting torque and tension through a fucking bone instead of loading the muscle, it's going to snap. Like there's some things you can avoid, like that's avoidable. <laughs> Learn how to bench properly. And then there's some things that, you know, they're just freak accidents. Oh, that was my jam, mate, for for five, five no, probably the last 15 years, I think I was doing all bench press with bones and tendons. And I just had no chest. <laughs> I had super strong bones and tendons. Uh, no yeah, test right. muscles. Right. The first five years of like when I was training in high school, all I did was arms and fucking did a leg press. Like that's all I did. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't helped me in any sense yeah. now. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, the, the thing that I'm interested in about, and I was thinking about this last night, I was, I was, get, I was, I was getting inspired. I'm like, this is going to be a sick podcast. And I was like, why do fucking people do go to these places and do these things? And I was like, it's the mo- the modern world has changed. And I was like, the church, in, and, and 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 not a I'm an atheist. I don't believe in the church, but I was like, they had some pretty good things in place, right? They had routine. They had a sense of community. You rocked up. You all had a goal and a purpose moving through life, and they would through doctrine and dogma inculcate you and keep you there, going doing things. You had a, and I'm like, is part of that the reason why you got into it? Is it that sense of community? And, and, and the gym is your church, or? I think there's been a lot of comparisons made. Like, 
uh, you know, making that comparison, sorry, between the gym and the church. And like, as you said before, there's a great community around this sport. Um, you know, I've been in competitions where it's been me and another bloke head to head in a battle. Yet when I pull my, pull my final deadlift, he's still right behind me cheering me on. Like you don't really see that in other sports, especially individual sports. And don't get us wrong. Like there is, you know, there's competitiveness and all that sort of stuff. But I think when you get a good bunch of people around you, you put them all in the same same room and all have the same goal, working towards the same thing, you're going to get an amazing result. And that's what drives people to come back to this sport. It's just like... It's probably the closest thing to battalion life that I've found outside battalion in the sense that in battalion, you're there with fucking 600 of your best mates, you know, and everything you do is for the bloke next to you. And that's very much how powerlifting is. Like, mm. if you're going for a heavy, heavy session coming into a comp, there's literally people that will come in that aren't even training, you know, they've cancelled schedules and shit to come and help you and cheer you on and spot you and make sure that you're fucking doing everything right, you know what I mean? And, like, I've been out, what, eight years now and I've never seen that anywhere else. Even, like, playing footy and that, you get it to an extent, but nothing like what, what we get in the gym here and sort of around Australia when you go to other comps and that as well. It's very much uh, a camaraderie that you don't find many other places where people are genuinely just wanting you to succeed for no other reason than to see you succeed. You know what I mean? So I think it also comes back down to like, as Kane said before, it's kind of, it's all relative. It doesn't matter if my max squats 250 kilos and his is 385. Like there's a certain respect you get because you know you've pushed the limit of what you're capable of and you're there to get better. Like we have a saying that we say a lot out here, like you don't know what a 10 out of 10 is until you've gone to 11. And now we go to 11 a fucking lot. And when you do, there are so many other people around you cheering you up that it just, it just is the most overwhelming feeling of, fuck yeah, I need to give back to these people because I know they do the same for me. And that's the other thing too. Like when when I squat three seventy five and that in that comp, like my life is literally in the spotter's hands. Because if something fucking rips, tears, breaks, snaps, fucking goes wrong, like three seventy five is going to bury you in the floor without the help of the guys on the side that are going to help lift the weight off you and fucking probably carry your coffin. You're at three seventy five squat. Yeah. That's 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 my best squat. Yeah, so Kane's best numbers at the moment are three seventy five kilo squat, a one ninety five kilo bench, and a three hundred and ten kilo deadlift. <laughs> and I'm a baby that's just sport. bloody silly, mate. <laughs> and and all, all credit to him, like as Kane just said, he's a baby in this sport. Like he's only been training for three three years properly. I would say, like. Um, I have another bloke that's been training for with myself for nearly 10 years. And, you know, his biggest numbers are, are 410, 250, and 345. Like, there's no doubt. My, when I first met Kane, I was like, you'll squat 400 plus one day. And I have no doubt he will. Like, he's got a, an incredible talent. As much as I hate him, he's got an incredible talent for this sport. I don't even think it's talent either. I think, like, and, and this... Like coming from the military, you've got a predisposition to succeed in powerlifting because a lot of the traits that 
you find in a battalion or in the army are the traits that are going to get you success in a sport like powerlifting. So, you know, like you were talking before about routine, um, commitment, dedication, drive, um, you know, not not scared to fail type thing. You know, they're all key attributes that successful soldiers have. And, you know, when you come out, you know, a lot of people apply them to business and shit like that. But, you know, if you come into powerlifting and apply them same principles, there's no no reason that you can't do what I'm doing at the moment either. So... What are the growth? What are the yeah? Well, what are the the growth of so doing those big lifts? Because um, we used to train like we're talk, people are talking about central nervous. You're bombing your central nervous system and the recovery time for, to go to the next level, or then to get a physiological change, like your body actually adapting to that particular set of weights and then moving. What are the time frames on like a recovery from a central like max max effort stuff like that? So. It's a bit different. Like for squatting and deadlifting, it's always going to be a bit longer because of the demand on the body. Benching, you could like three to five days and you should be right to bench again heavy. Squatting and deadlifting, you're looking more around seven to 10 days to get a full recovery of the central nervous system. And now that's talking if you are pushing that top envelope and you're going 85% and above um, of your, your one rep max in training. Like that's the kind of time frame you're, mental central nervous system will take to recover physiologically will be different uh, and that's dependent on everyone things come back down to mostly mostly sleep and nutrition yeah oh, who was the, uh, drink water i'm drinking a lot of the things water's not one of them at the moment but um because <laughs> you know, <laughs> no it's um drinking uh kombucha all right all right um because the you see the boys at one eye like and and across the time when they used to train for selection the old school dudes would be like going and doing three point two k webbing runs every three days and they're like I'm not getting better I did it as well just trying to hammer myself into the ground and I'm like I'm not getting better and they're like and then it finally like signs started coming in and they're like dude you can hammer yourself in the ground as much as you like you're not recovering like zero recovery hundred percent I think a lot of people in this sport and in any sort of physical training, they just forget one thing and that's stress is stress. Like the body doesn't know the difference between relationship stress, physical stress, emotional stress, whatever it is. It has the same physiological response in the body. So everything you're doing is compounding every single day. So when you go in the gym or you try and do a 3.2 K run, you're not going to get any better because you're just fried as fuck. Yeah. I fucking, I don't know how they I, – I want to see where they sort of move forward with it all and, and how they're going to progress it. But they were saying – I was because we're sort of starting to get into the whole uh, with stress and, and how you – so they say if you want to get rid of anxiety, go for runs. And they're saying that you can treat – like de- for depression, going and doing resistance training is one of the biggest ones. So different areas to treat different – like – psychological conditions they're saying anxiety is generally towards the cardio end and not overly doing hits because then you like you just said you're just adding more stress to your body um and then with with powerlifting and and resistance training they're seeing these massive increases in in people's mood just from going and pushing tinnering yeah 100 percent. so anxiety is a big one like i've suffered from anxiety how old am i 27 so nearly 10 years now and 
it's it's once you understand anxiety is just like a if you think if we think basically for everyone listening that anxiety is just a big ball of energy and you're just bunched up because we all when we've all felt anxiety before we get really tense up and we have all this like energy that just needs to be exerted yeah going for a run letting that out in a safe manner is probably the best thing for it and as you said uh moving a bit of tin for depression is just as good purely because it's it's taking yourself out of your depressive state and pushing you into another space where you got to challenge yourself, take yourself to a new spot. But then the added bonus is you're going to get a whole bunch of endorphins released when you walk out the door back to your car that you're going to feel so much better. And if you can ingrain that psychologically day in, day out, or, you know, every, however many times you train in a week, your body's going to start to recognize that these endorphins make you feel really good. So I'm going to keep doing it. Hundred percent. There's there's the whole um, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system like response as well. Like if you're putting, I mean, I, I try and look at everything from a uh, evolutionary perspective, but most people are anxious because there's no real threat in their life, uh, and, and and anxiety is is manifesting what just perceived threat that's not actually there. You put three hundred and fifty kilos on your back, that's fucking real threat. So your body's going to go through a proper sympathetic state to go. All right, I'm about to lift this weight. You better get ready because if something goes wrong, you're dead. And then as soon as you rack it again, your body's like, fuck yeah. And that, that's that parasympathetic state where you're like, feel amazing, like you could fucking take on the world because you're now safe again. Mm. That's that, like for powerlifting, that must be massive. That, that, you, that must be a, like a, a response you can actually feel. It definitely is. And it can tip you over the edge. So it's, it's, it's especially when you're like in that final four weeks leading into a competition and you're just under heavy loads after heavy loads after heavy loads, it's really hard to access your, your parasympath or your, sorry, your sympathetic nervous system trying to get that fight response. Um, so one thing we I'm really big on in cueing a lot of the lifters is, is breathing. Like the quickest way to access or get into your parasympathetic nervous system or get into your sympathetic nervous system is through your breath. Like we know that a short, sharp breath is going to heighten that and get, get you ready to fight. And we know that as soon as you re-rack that weight, the first thing you should definitely do is and just exhale, let your body start to come back down because, unfortunately, you've got about three minutes before you have to do that fucking thing again. <laughs> so learning how to control your breath, um, where to breathe and how to breathe in lifting becomes super imperative. Sorry, what you're saying – sorry, you got you. you got I was just going to say, what you're saying in a nutshell is the biggest men on the planet meditate. 100%. And I'm, I get, I rant, probably is the best word, about meditation a lot. Like, I'm not one that's going to sit down on a yoga mat, hold your hand with my fucking hands like this and just breathe and shit like that. Like, meditation for me is all about mindfulness. And I get that from training. Like, my meditation is, you know, going back to what we said before, it's like a church. I come in here, I have my intention set for the, the, the session, I focus in what I have to do, and then I have to be mindful about my breathing. That's fucking meditation. I don't have to sit on a fucking yoga mat. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Sorry, it really triggers me. It just triggers me. I didn't. I, I, I want to let you know that uh, I'm also a qualified yogi just in case. Uh... <laughs> no. that's, that's cool. That's fine. I love yoga. But I, no, fuck, there's mate. so many different ways to fucking – Practice mindfulness and meditation. 
mate. But if you think about it, it is if you're you can directly affect the vagus nerve and those systems in your body. The one way to do it is through breathing, right? And and if you're breathing through your sets, even just going to the gym and doing resistance stuff, like 15, 15 reps, you're still breathing, getting a breathing cycle in out. Like you do, you're fucking dead right, mate. Like it's meditation, going in and, and setting an intention before you go. I know that too. Like I've had a couple of big panic attacks in the gym, purely based off, you know. When I'm coming in for a heavy squat, I'll think about it all week, day and night, 24-7. I wake up, that's my first thought. I'm sitting at work, I'm thinking, fuck, you know, I'm going to put 350 on the back tonight and fucking not die, you know what I mean? And I'll come in and I'll have a full-blown panic attack where it's a full-on flight, 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 fright response. And at the end of it, I'm fucked because the adrenaline levels have surged same as you guys would have had, like, in Afghan and that, you know, after a firefight. You, once the adrenaline flushes out of your body, you're fucked. Combat and fatigue, like, mate, yeah. Like, so, yes, it does help with anxiety and stuff like that, but it also, like Brando was saying, it's a, it's a fine-edged sword once you're getting up into them top echelons of um, weights because so much can go wrong, and depending on how you approach that, sometimes it does tip you over the edge. And that just comes from experience and, like, flying too close to the sun. Like, we fucking fly very close and we have to just – we just teeter on that edge of getting burnt every single day. So understanding how to train, when to deload, and doing simple breath work, like, straight after a big session to bring yourself back down. And, you know, as you said before, if if we can get – if we can get a client or a lifter, sorry, into a parasympathetic nervous system rhythm quicker, the better their recovery is going to be. So if we can activate that just through breathing and then a few other, you know, I guess life hacks, whatever, um, the better the outcome, the better the recovery. And the more we can try, try and fly that little bit closer to the sun. Sorry, that's too I know my triggers in that as well. Um, and I know how to deal with them. And I think that's the most important thing is that if you are having anxiety or depression or whatever, is to get the help and the professional help because they will help you identify your triggers, what what the responses um, physiologically and psychologically are going to be. And with them tools, you can counteract everything that's going on with by breathing, you know, removing yourself from the situation for five minutes till, you know, the perceived threat's fucking gone or whatever. So, you know, ne- never never be scared to speak up, I guess, about fucking anything that you're going through because, you know, I squat 375 and I fucking sometimes cry like a baby. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? 100%, <laughs> mate. 100%. Mate, that's fucking admirable, and 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 you did, mate. If some of Australia's biggest, strongest dudes can come forward and, and have the introspection to go, if you need help, you fucking get it. I fucking do, mate. That's fucking admirable, dude. That's that's good to go. Um, because I would, I wouldn't even know, mate. And I'm not going to tell you what I back squat because it's not a number that I want to. But I wouldn't. <laughs> what the fuck does 370 kilos feel like on your body, in your bones, like in your fucking joints and your bones? And and to to be honest, in in that moment, you don't. I don't know. 
it's not playing footy in that man. Like you know, have a crowd of a hundred thousand people out there, and you're playing footy. You don't know they're there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar thing. under a, under a bar with a heavy weight. Like you you feel it. It feels heavy. It feels but in saying that too, you've you've just spent probably the best part of sixteen weeks building up to these weights. Each week increasing, so your body is kind of build a tolerance to it, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, just I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those yeah, good question, Yeah, it's really <laughs> heavy, but like him feeling three seventy five would be the exact same feeling for you hitting your one rep max. Like it's it's all relative, but <laughs> empty bar. <laughs> But um, as as Kane Kane touched on, like you don't feel the weight. Like if if you're in the zone, what they call it. Like I don't know if you guys know much about the the, the flow state or have heard about the flow state and uh, Chick Semi High's you know research on it. And it's just like that euphoric feeling when everything just kind of zones out around you. You go quiet. Everything goes quiet. You just focus in on what you have to do. That's the feeling under a bar, and that's what. I think makes the sport so addictive because, you know, research shows that the flow state is addictive. Um, and we try to, you know, I guess get it as much as we possibly can. And fucking, if you want to, if you want to feel a flow state, get under a fucking heavy barbell and pray, pray to God it comes back up. <laughs> for people, for, for anyone listening who doesn't well, get into powerlifting, flow states where you're like five, six beers in at the pub and yet everything goes quiet. <laughs> And you get really, really good at pool. Like you've been playing <laughs> pool all night and you can't hit straight and the balls are fucking bouncing off the table and you have that five and a half beers and you're like, you can't miss. Everything's going in. And then two beers later, you're fucking retarded and you can't play pool anymore. <laughs> you've got to get it to the point. <laughs> or, or you could just get into powerlifting. <laughs> that is the best That is the best example I'm – we need to notate that, mate. 38 minutes, yeah, that's right. a zinger. Typically, that is a flow state. It is a fucking flow state, and it's not a healthy one, but it's the same as same as anything. If you were, like, Say if you go surfing and you're in, in a state where like, you just – or playing rugby, you, you're you having the blinder, and then you push slightly too hard and you come out the other end and you just fucking shit at it again. Like drinking, for me, like I like to get in flow states in many other ways, but I know the spot, like – it's right on five and a half beers. Can't miss a ball playing pool. Hundred percent. I'll buy a couple more if I ever play either. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What is the stuff that you sniff before you before you pull in tin? And like, yeah, what the fuck is it? Uh, so that's just ammonia, smelling salts. Yeah. Same shit you smell when people are knocked out. Yeah, yeah. So if you get like knocked out or something, they come out, they break that that snap thing and. Put on your nose, like that's just what we we smell to, um, I guess, initiate that fight or fight fight or flight response, um, or use another you know, external cue to initiate that. It has a bit of a physiological effect as well, where it opens up your capillaries and gets more blood, and you can get more oxygen in. And you know, unless it's real strong, then it just fucks you and takes your breath away, and your eyes water, and you can't see shit, and you're fucked. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's stuff out there that it's just too strong, and you're like, well, I'm gonna miss this now. I'm going to miss this fuck. Oh, yeah, it's ammonia nitrate, so. Is it nitrate? Fuck. No, fuck. Oh, it's ammonia. Just something that hit me in the gym, and so I started sniffing it. Yeah. Sounds healthy. 
Yeah, Sounds like half the biggest in the fucking army. <laughs> yeah. uh, mate, going back real quick, like that, that, I think that's the bit that I find the most attractive about powerlifting. When you're saying like you get you get anxious and, and stuff leading into it, but um, to do a one RM, you've you've had to build up for sixteen weeks. Like there is. You walk into a gym to be a bodybuilder. There's no real discipline. I mean, I know there is. If you want to be high level, there's discipline. But you go in and you lift weight. Next week, you try and lift more weight. You don't really put a lot of strategy to do to get proper heavy lifts in powerlifting. You, you. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't go in and just start racking up one rep maxes, do you? Like, there's a lot of discipline to it to slowly, slowly progressive overload. So I like to um, use this as a bit of an example. Um, I don't anymore, but I used to train at commercial gyms one day a week just because it was closer to home. So I trained at World Gym and um, it was sort of, you know, there'd be six months between sort of times when I'd go there. And I'd walk in six months later and it'd be the same guys lifting the same weights, looking exactly the same, you know, posing, same fucking singlet on. And they had no progression. Whereas I'd go in and I'd be benching, you know, 20 kilos more or something, which, you know, good on them. They're still getting to the gym and they're still, you know, getting the endorphins and, and you know, doing what they want to. But certainly, like, right now I'm squatting, like, between 150 and 200 to, to you know, go back to the basics and, and work on some technique sort of stuff and, you know, we'll slowly build into hopefully a 400-kilo-plus squat come March next year, so... You know, I'm, I'm working sub 50% at the moment, um, you know, to build up over the next six months to get to them top weights and condition my body to be able to handle the loads that hopefully we're going to be putting through it. So. And, and Kay said it perfectly at the end. It's just all about conditioning your body. Once you get to a certain point, we can guarantee there's there's going to be something, uh, something in your technique that may fail, something stability-wise or because we've, push this there'll be a mobility restriction and there's always going to be another another point that we have to strip it right back rebuild again create another foundation and then build on top of that so yeah yeah sometimes it sucks going from or even injury like let's, let's look at injury like i did my back horrendously bad in 2016 i went from pulling 280 from the floor to a fucking eight kilo kettlebell in one hand trying to just learn how to bend over properly like it's a big kick in the nuts, but it has to happen. And if you want to push that top top tier of the sport, yeah, it comes back, it comes back to what you were saying before with recovery as well. Mm. You know, strength you need the recovery because you're putting your body through such loads and you're tearing muscles and that to build them bigger to get stronger. Without that recovery, you just you're going to end up like just fried. You're going to cook yourself. You're going to end up fucking injured you're going to hate life you're not going to want to go because you wake up and you can't even wipe your ass in the morning because you're so sore like you know so but most importantly you're not going to perform yeah 100%. like that's the you know we get up we step on the yeah. platform to perform at our best and if you're not smart about it if you're not educated and there's so much resources out there now not just having a coach that you can look for to to get that that knowledge, um, you won't perform. And at the end of the day, that's why we do the sport is to progress and get better and perform. Yeah, I don't know, mate. Even saying you've got a six month goal, like that's that's huge. There's not a lot of young blokes that will walk into a gym and go, "I'm gonna I'm gonna 
do a re- reverse timeline this thing out so that in six months I'm going to be hitting some good. They're like, I got I got eight weeks. If I don't hit what I want in eight weeks, I'm getting on the juice. And that is like yeah. the mentality for most dudes. Yeah, 100% is, man. And we see it all the time. And like, the one thing about powerlifting is like, you know, we have our in season and then off season, but it's it's a sport that we do day in, day out, 52 weeks of a year. Like, you know, we set these goals for Kane after his last comp in March and then pretty much mapped out the next 12 months of what training looks like or what recovery looks like, what nutrition looks like, and then go from there. Yeah, mate, that's that is gold. Just um to tie into what I was saying before, do you is there is is steroids a big issue in powerlifting? Do you get tested? It's not so much an issue. Um, like it, it's it's in the sport. Like drugs and sports been around for fucking forever. Um, there's the federation. There's different federations that will not necessarily allow it, but almost they turn that test. blind eye. And it's then tested be, and untested. Yeah, there's tested and untested federations pretty much. And, you know, the the tested – and that's why kind of why powerlifting will never be seen in the Olympics because there's too much controversy, for lack of a better word, around um, around in that sense. Yeah, right. Uh, Any strength sports can – have that dark side to it, oh, like, mate. It's human or, nature. You, you give me a competition, I'll show you how to cheat. Like that's that is human nature one on one. You know, they did that research study where they asked Olympians, like you know, the, the naturalist of more, if they could take something to win a gold medal, but they'd be dead in five years, would they take it? And they all said yes. Oh, like, always. And like, I, there's no difference in our sport, really. Like. And it also comes back down to the person. That's the other thing. Like, I am one of the most competitive motherfuckers on the planet. Like, I need to be the fucking best, not just at this sport, but, you know, whether that be coaching or in a relationship, whatever it is. I'm just – I just need to be better. So if I can take something that's going to make me better and help with my recovery and help with my performance, fucking oath I'm going to take it. The, the yeah, man, I mean – Sorry, you go. I'll keep, I'll keep stepping on your ship. You go. So the thing I've found in the sport is um, it's looked at very differently to your bro science in, in a commercial gym where it's just get everything into your body and let's try and get as big as possible. Whereas a lot of people in powerlifting and strength sports look at it as, as medicine. So they'll identify a weakness um, physiologically in their body or, um, you know, I'm lacking here, I'm lacking there. And they will supplement with... A, a ped to to bring that up to par so that they're not so far behind in other athletes. I'll, I'll <clears> just like jump in and instead of like, I guess, phrasing it as medicine, rather look at it as like um, an extra tool in your toolbox. Like it's just something to add in here. It's like adding a supercharger onto a V8, which is making it better, giving it more performance, giving it more output. Um, so there's certain types of performance enhancing drugs for certain phases of training, like, you know, if we need a bit more the size and volume or we need more uh, red blood cells to accompany and uh, facilitate lactic threshold, you know, there's things that we can add in here and then take away here and then add that in there to, I guess, perform better, which is what we're trying to do. Not that we're advocating use of drugs. Oh, mate. I think I I I advocate. I definitely 100% advocate, especially – in, in specific professions. 
bro. Um, yeah, I think that that well, it became illegal because of baseball, didn't it? Wasn't it in America? Like also, it was up at. Yeah, so it, in Australia, you know, performance-enhancing drugs or specifically steroids are classified as a class one drug. So in the same category as things like, uh, I guess, meth, heroin, and um, mm-hmm. what's the other one? Cocaine. Probably cocaine as well. Um, so, and that escalated really quickly. And a lot of it's attributed to the side effects that these drugs can have on your on yourself in terms of your mental psyche. So you can become more aggressive. You can become more depressed and and the actions off that are what causes it like you know we saw increase in pub rules and all this sort of shit but one one thing that people don't understand is that these drugs affect your mental state as much as it affects your body like we have a physiological response an emotional response and a, and a mental response they will enhance all three of those things so if you're emotionally and mentally already in a fucked place you're going to go even deeper into that hole Whereas if you're in a really good space, it's going to enhance that as well, and you're going to be Jesus. That's no, the, the, the way it's portrayed, if you look at, you know, if you think of your typical steroid user, most people think bikies or something like that, you know what I mean? Who, or, or people that have predispositions to violence and stuff anyway. So there's, you know, like Brando was saying, it's just going to enhance that predisposition, and that's where it sort of boils over and that's when the media love to jump on board and fucking run with it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, mate. I like. I agree with Max. Like, I there is testosterone is a natural thing in in human bodies, and I mean the the science coming out now showing how it can improve your mental state if you've got stuff like CTE or, or any kind of concussion or blast injury, because um, your body stops reducing it properly, and and then you get depressed and and cut yourself off, and you need to supplement with testosterone. Like, like, if you're in a competitive sport, I get it. Like, if you, you can't have one dude on it and the other dude not. It's not fair. Like, I mean, it's a complex problem, Bucks. If everyone gets on it, then you're going to have these ginormous fucking superheroes lifting 5,000 kilos. And where do we where do we draw the line? Like, you're going to be going testosterone, stem cells, mm. whatever comes out next year. The Russians will invent some shit that make you, like, 700 kilos heavier. Like, you, you probably can't do it in sport, but as far as, like, the stigma around, oh, if you do steroids, you're a bad dude, like, that shit's got to go. And I, I agree. I think it comes from bikies. At the same time, man, like, honestly, I, I, I did it a couple of times when I was younger um, for the wrong reasons because I was a young dude, wanted to get real jacked and, and look like a mad dog, probably just for chicks, to be honest. I did it just before – fuck, I don't know if you should say this. Did it just before we went to Afghan because I, I was like, all right, I'm going overseas. It's not a it's not a sport where it's um everyone's got to be even. You want an unfair advantage. So I got jacked. See, that's, like, that's one thing. Like, like I have no army experience or anything. It's like that. Like I would feel safer if our armed forces were on this shit. Like I want a superhuman fucking protecting our borders and shit like that. Going to war. I want to see fucking Captain America out there. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But at the same time, I'm like, when I was younger, I was doing it for all the wrong. Like, I wanted, to, I was exactly. using, I was using testosterone to get big. And I'm like, you don't really want to be a big target when you're overseas on ops with the army. It doesn't. It's counterproductive. But you want to be able to lift heaps of shit, and 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 that's the that's a positive. But like, the as a young dude, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Would I do it again? A hundred percent. Like, go way smaller doses. Um, like testosterone replacement for mine is is fucking groundbreaking because it means 
dudes can get older, they can not be depressed, and they the body doesn't fade away as quick, and that's all positive. Like, where's the negative in a 50-year-old dude taking a mill of testosterone a fortnight or a week or whatever it's going to be? 100%, man. Like, there are so many therapeutic benefits to these stuff as well. Like, a lot of the stuff that you'll see in the realm of strength sports, they were all designed for a medical reason. Like, Anadrol is a typical um, or more commonly used drug in our sport. It's used to treat cancer patients after chemo to put weight back on. Like, you know, they, they all have a medical, we've just gone, oh, shit, we can use them to get really fucking jacked and strong as well and increase performance. Like, sick, win-win. And governments are like, fuck, we don't want superhuman fucking civilians. They'll fucking well, overthrow mate, the I government. Think, <laughs> and, and this is the problem. It's exact. This is the army model. Uh, and, and so the first one is drug education needs to happen proper at school. In, instead of learning, instead of learning what fucking um, the Romans did a thousand years, whatever I don't know. Let's keep let's get rid of some shit algebra. in school. Maybe maybe some sex studies. I don't know, and learn algebra and learn some actual drug education because it is in society. Let's teach people dosing and setting an intention for doing anything. So that's alcohol. That's doing like recreational drugs. Teaching people proper drug education and how to use things and set and setting for everything, inclusive of even some of the stuff they're doing now where we talk about uh, psilocybin is also a class one drug in Australia. And they're using that. They're trying to relax that to treat PTSD, depression uh, and anxiety in, in veterans and, and uh, end of life people who are, who are terminally ill. And they're like, Hey, um, you know, they're doing some, they do psilocybin counseling in America at Johns Hopkins university. The stuff is groundbreaking, but until you remove that classification, and the reason is because everyone's fucking stupid. It's like in the army, it's group punishment, and they're like, "No, nope, you can't be trusted. You can't be trusted." So yeah, none of you are doing it, mate. That guy's gonna fuck up. You're all banned. That yeah. is- <laughs> I agree with that. It's like education needs to be the cornerstone of the stuff. Like we work with a bloke from the states, um, Broderick Shavers, who's one of the most fucking smartest people you'll ever meet in your life. He's got a PhD, sorry, he's got a bachelor in uh, pharmacology, biology, chemistry, and some other ology that I can't remember off the top of my head. And then he backs up with a PhD in sports performance. Like this guy is trying to do the right thing and educate people on how to take these drugs and how to elicit them in the correct doses for the right reasons. Like, and then this needs to be trickled down into, I believe, our schools. Like, I went to an all-boys school. Like, we got shown a video about steroids and the negative effects of them. Like, that's just – that just doesn't like do anything it. for me. I'm fucking 16, yeah. 17, think I'm the fucking invincible. Like, I need to know what these drugs do. I need to understand these drugs to then make an informed decision. And the, yep. the media and everyone just like, yeah, let's just hammer this shit so it's bad. And this group mentality of, like, if one person fucks up, everyone can't use it. And I'm not saying it should be, you know, used wildly and whatever, but I just think there needs to be education. There needs to be understanding of these drugs because once you can understand something, you then can make an informed decision about whether it's right for you or not. Glad you bring up the PRP, mate, because it's, like you said, it's groundbreaking. Even 10 years ago, mate, they didn't know about this shit. Well, they probably did, but it was probably suppressed because, you know, they didn't want any fucker to get on it. But, you know, people getting on TRT and that now and the 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 spike in mental wellness around that is huge. Like, 
I can't wait for another 10 years, mate, when, you know, this shit probably will be legal and that. And, you know, some of the boys we know are getting it through doctors and that. Like, it's fucking groundbreaking. Mate, everything you boys just said, like the education and, and the boys getting it through the doctor, that it, it has to be the way forward because if, if you get like a dude and, and let's just stick to like veterans for a second, like if you get a dude who, who gets out of the military, anxious, depressed, doesn't really have any education as to why or what's going on, gets on the gear, most of that shit's going to go away because they're going to feel mm-hmm. like the, Good. their anxiety will drop for a period, right? Because they get on it and they, they don't regulate those because they've probably Googled it or asked the fucking big juice head in the gym how much they should take. And it's like within a matter of a week and a half, two weeks, no anxiety, no depression, feeling amazing. So like, fuck yeah, I'll just keep jamming like 10 mils a week in my ass. That's a terrible <laughs> idea because as soon okay. as you come off, as soon as you come off without like any kind of cycling or, or any kind of education at all, you are going like fast track downhill. And that's when you're going to be in a pit of anxiety that you have no way of getting out of. And I think it comes back down to, like, if we look at, so let's say I go to the doctor and I say, look, I'm feeling real depressed. I'm feeling down. I don't have any sex drive. They send me for a blood test. Now, that, that's the first thing they'll ever always do. You get that blood report back. Now, this is the thing that annoys me. I'm not a doctor, so please don't think I am. I'm not giving medical advice. But... <laughs> The range for testosterone for a male, a healthy range, is zero to 30. That's a fucking huge range. I could be at 11 and feel like absolute shit, yet I won't get fucking <laughs> Healthy so, yeah. mate is zero testosterone to a lot of testosterone. Ah, good. That's, yeah. that's nice and broad. I, like I have that. one. I have one testosterone. No, you're good, <laughs> mate. You're good. <laughs> like, this person's walking around depressed because they got low tests, but they can't do anything about it. Like, the system in itself is flawed. And so I urge people to then go see an endocrinologist or someone that works specifically within hormones, even a naturopath, because a naturopath will work within an optimal range. There's a difference between being healthy and then then being optimal. And this is where people should be walking around. We should be feeling good. I went went for a blood test the other day for this exact reason, right? Because when Mech started going balls deep into gut bacteria and stuff, I'm like, I'm getting everything tested. I want to check vitamins hormones all that kind of stuff and my results came out and it was so broad like it was this is from a gp and and my gp was like oh everything looks normal i'm like i don't want to be normal oh give me give me high level optimization that's where i'm I'm aiming at and she's like oh no 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 i'll tell you if you've got a deficiency i'm like what what are you doing like you as you said i've got to go to a naturopath who everyone calls a bloody um pseudoscientist to get some actual information a hundred percent. And like, there's more and more people doing really good stuff within the industry as a whole to, to bridge that gap. And like, this is where we should be like, you know, sitting, but like, fuck me, you, you train as a male, you jack off, you lose zinc every time you jack off. And if you're cane, you're jacking off at least five times a day. You've lost half uh, your zinc already. They're rookie numbers, mate. You got to get them numbers up. <laughs> But like it just ah, comes so, back to like so, so you're saying I've got a zinc deficiency. have a zinc deficiency without even fucking knowing. It's why I literally started supplementing with it. I promise. <laughs> uh, this is the whole coronavirus conspiracy. Trump came out at the start. He said, "You've all got a zinc deficiency. Zinc will fix it." <laughs> Mate, fucking Trump. <laughs> zinc and bleach. Was it? No, who knows, mate? He started with zinc at some stage. Oh, <laughs> Trump. 
Yeah, it's really how fucked the doctors are, though. So I got my test done first time probably, I don't know, 18 months, two years ago. Come back and the doctor, I've seen a different doctor when the results come back and she, a chick who, you know, whatever, she's a doctor, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, your tests are fucking fine, mate. Your test levels are fucking good to go. So I bring the results in to Brando and a couple of lads in the gym and they fucking pissed themselves and were like, does your dick even work, cunt? <laughs> they were they were that low. And you know, the doc no, nah, no, nah, you're normal, mate. You're in a good range. Yeah, you know. And it's it's just again that education and like it's coming back to all what do we need to do to educate people more on these this this living optimally and you know, like in the pursuit of a high level sport, healthiness goes out the window. I don't want to be healthy. Like I'm not going to be healthy. Like the, the two weeks out leading to a comp, I am the most unhealthy I will ever be. I may look jack shredded and fucking feeling strong, but I'm fucking really tired. I don't want to talk to a cunt. I don't feel like eating. And I feel like genuinely shit because my central nervous system is fine. The pursuit of high level performance is never, never healthy. So if you're starting at a fucking less than optimal range, good fucking luck. Mm. Yeah, mate. Good. I used to have um, I used to have a food business, and a lot of our our customers were CrossFitters, and and at the time, like we were we were big. This is early when paleo is just kicking off, and we were kind of big advocates of, of paleo for health and longevity. And people would come in and ask us for advice on what they should be eating pre-comp and i'm like mate that that's one that's really individual like you got to get a, a, a diet that fits your body but two um healthy food isn't always what you want to be eating before a comp because i was eating no like I, I i operate best on a keto diet with no carbs at all but i don't compete like my my goal with my diet and and lifestyle and training like i train i lift super lightweight my primary goal right now is health and longevity am i ever going to be really good at high level sports at the way I'm training and eating, fuck no. Like it's it's completely different. 100%. And like I, I know, you know, we can look at nutrition and food as if you want to op- optimize your brain function and your ability to be productive, yeah, keto diet all the fucking way. If you want to perform in the gym and perform on, or out on the paddock or whatever it is, you're going to have a carb dump. But prepare yourself because you're going to be a little bit foggy. I had to squat yesterday and I had 700 grams of carbs just before I squatted, like across the day before I squatted. I felt like absolute dog shit. <laughs> Did, was I strong? Yes, I was. I got my set done. But like that's the trade-off people got to make when you're looking at this sort of performance scale. It's like we have this fucking, this is the way to eat over here, but I need to perform over here. Well, just choose it, and then you can go back to it afterwards. I just eat what yeah, I want. So. Turns out I've just got a high-performing, optimal diet all the time. It's just lots of carbs yeah. and yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> if, you, if you want to hear some stories, like I went to. So the biggest comp on the planet is called Big Dogs, and it's held in Australia in um, in Melbourne. And the guy uh, who won the first two Big Dogs, uh, Andre Milanovic, will go down in history as the goat, as one of the goats of the sport. So one of the greatest of all times. That comp, he broke the squat record and squatted 485 kilos. This bloke, before the comp, was at Macca's, chowing down on three Big Macs, three large ships. <laughs> oh, boy. And then right before, <laughs> right before the comp, he's throwing his guts up 
because he is that toxic right now from PED use, from stress, from nutrition, like all this stuff. He's so acidic. He's yakking in a in a fucking bucket before he has to go compete. But then he goes and squats four eighty five like it was nothing. Yeah, man. That, the same. It's the same. That exact diet, like pizzas and burgers and that. Like that's what Phelps used to eat while he's at the Olympics before he goes and swims and, and flogs everyone. You just all the cro- need calories. Yeah, when, when you're competing, all the CrossFitters, but the, the all the CrossFitters eat fucking garbage. Like pizzas is pretty much the staple before, like in competition weekends. But the problem is the education piece because all the young kids on the outside looking in going, that's the fittest dude on the planet and yep. he's eating pizzas. If I eat pizzas... I'll be like that. No chance. Twelve months later, yeah, to that's where it yeah. is. Rice and chicken, and you like, know. <clears throat> yeah. If you look at bodybuilding, like all everyone sees is just—it's a great example. They just see this chiseled physique on stage. They don't see all the fucking chicken and rice and whatever bullshit they they eat leading into a contest prep. But then, right before they go on stage, they're chowing down on pizza. Usually, they're spiking their glycogen, so their muscle becomes really full on stage. Nobody sees that. It's just, it, again, it comes down to educating yourself. Yeah, 100%. I just don't know. I'm definitely going to have to stay on the uh, on the carb diet. And, and, and if, if I fail, I'm just going to I'm gonna have to coin myself as a powerlifter and start coming to get some advice oh, because right. I'll tell you what, mate. <laughs> it's the best. That's how Kane gets around being fat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm always one week out from a comp, mate. <laughs> can can you can you can you claim it if you know your your figures your figures probably don't reach triple digits and you can bench more than you can squat? Can you say you're a powerlifter? Yeah, just 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 claim that you're a powerlifter and got an injury. <laughs> ah, boom, perfect, spot on. Because I don't, I I have no. We talk about that posterior chain and the and the anterior chain. My I I never engage my ass on a squat. My ass is a back extension. Yeah, uh, I've zero hamstrings. My my thoracic spine is fucking twisted up because I never did any back stuff, mate. Like I am a twisted up. I don't know how to recruit. I don't even know how to engage it. Doing squats like engage your glutes. I'm like, I don't know what See, they are. You're what we call you're, you. What we call a dream client. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> in that sort of sense, we look at okay, cool. You're a blank canvas, which is always great. You're easier to teach new things to. But the first thing we've got to kind of like, I guess, address is the idea that our glutes don't work in a squat. Like that's the thing I hear all the fucking time. And I'm like, no, they do. Like your glutes work. Like if we if we were all to stand up right now, we could stand up because our glutes are stabilizing the hips and preventing us from falling over. Like if our glutes didn't work, we would just fall over when we stand. It's just the fact that the glutes don't know how to work as their function in a squat to stabilize the pelvis in the deep hole. So it's if we look at squat benching and deadlifting as a system, there's a certain sequence in which things have to fire in. And one of those things is the glutes. There's a specific order when they need to engage to stabilize the hip. So it's just about teaching correct technique, correct learning plans, and engaging them from isolation first into the compound movements. It's pretty simple. Like it's not hard. No, man, I, I started doing I, – I, I took everything back. I started watching some stuff about um, – when they talk when they spoke about resistance and, and to get the best tear out of your muscle for, for hypertrophy is that 50-summit second range plus to start actually, like, tearing muscles and getting some growth out. And as opposed to, like, me going to the gym and doing 
sets of eight. Like so I was the dude in the gym that Kane fucking hates. Same singlet, same weights, same yeah. week. I and I was dude. like, yeah, I'm. What do you mean? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, um, I just took it all back, man. Like probably the last, oh, I think last twelve weeks, took it right back, doing fifteens. Everything was lightweight, and and working on contracting the muscle every set. And I, I'm getting sore in places I didn't know I had muscles, dude. Especially, I had a thoracic back injury, and I was like, I, I have. If you look at my back, it's shoulder blades. There's no, you know how guys got those big traps and the and the straps up. I don't have. It's not there, mate. And then I started just trying to think about how you recruit them, how you engage them. I got sore in places I didn't even know I did, mate. By backing it off and yeah. actually listening to people, mate. Yeah, it's hundred percent. Like the, the, it just comes back from that. Just back it off. Be a be a student again. Be a learner. Forever learning. Okay, cool. Well, if this person has a really good back and knows how to engage that, what are they doing that I'm not? How can I do that? And I think just by watching and learning, as you said, like you can you can learn so much. Hundred percent, bro. I'm I, I train fifty now. And going through cues in my head and trying to get the muscle activation that I'm meant to, and you know, it's sub fifty percent of what I squat at my max. But yeah, but, okay. you know, you need to dial it back. And while one hundred and fifty for a lot of people is fucking still a big weight, it's again, it's all relative. So, but if we look at like Kane's a quite a unique example. When I first started coaching him, he had this this knee injury that was never rehabbed properly, so he's got super underdeveloped quads. But his body has naturally compensated. Like it's just internally gone, fuck, I need to put mass on my hamstrings. I need to put mass on my my adductors so the, the inner thigh muscle to support the knee. Like he didn't, he didn't know he was doing that. His body just compensated that way. So we've had to work a lot around different cues and executing different cues and different engagement drills to get the right activation. Three years on, he actually has a pair of quads on him now. Like it's it's – they're they're small but they're growing allegedly allegedly how are your knees at the moment chef um fucked (laughs) i'm a little i'm a little bit scared to go to the doctor um there is a bit of stuff floating around in there that i can sort of move around and jigsaw back into place but um I mean, I, I mean I had, more since, since you started developing like the actual muscles that you need for stability, are they getting is it getting better? It is. And um, I was thinking about it today. So I slipped two discs back when we were in the army. And back then I would never have thought that I'd even be able to squat again. But what powerlifting's enabled me to do is build the, you know, posterior chains and all, all the little stabilization muscles that, you know, a lot of people forget about. Mm-hmm. Um And the same with my knee. Like, I used to be walking and my knee would just cave and I'd literally be in the shopping centre and I'd just fucking fall over. Uh, (laughs) Just because my knee was that fucked. Uh, Yeah. But now with all the muscles around it and that, uh, doesn't happen anymore. Same with my back. Uh, You know, I've got a constant numbness down my left leg because the spine's pressing on the sciatic. But, you know, I don't really get back pain anymore because I've worked on the weaknesses that played into hurting my back. And that's so. like, but that's the common physio, like if we look at the common physio mentality, it's 
treat the pain, treat the symptoms, get them out. There's no progression, regression. Like I think, Adrian, you said before, you know, you went to a physio and they're like, cool, all you're doing for the next eight weeks is fucking um, lifting, uh, like lifting air, yeah. single air RDLs. And like, yeah, that's all well and good for someone like yourself who's probably not pushing that top top end performance. But I work a lot with um, athletes coming back from like uh, surgeries, injuries, and like rehabbing sort of stuff. And like their goal is to perform again. So doing giving Kane a single leg RDL with just air, it's not going to do shit. Maybe in like the first couple of weeks where he's starting to relearn movement patterns again after an injury or a, a surgery, but he, he puts 375 on the back. What the fuck is a single leg air squat going to do for him? Like he needs yeah. external. So it's about applying and understanding engagement biomechanics and putting them together, bridging the gap. And I still need him to train. He still needs to load up his back. He still needs to do all these things. And I think that's the missing link with physios. And I, I don't mean to attack all physios. Like I think there are some good physios out there doing good work, but that they miss the link that you need to also strengthen everything around it. It's all well and good to get all these stabilizers working, but if there's no movement, there's no function, there's no strength being applied to that joint or that, or, or in Kane's case, his, his hip and knee, like he's not going to get better. His lower back's going to still hurt in 10 years' time, but it's because he's trained muscles around it to support it and he's trained those stabilizers at the same time that he's able to walk around pain-free in his back. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. And, and like, I'll, I'll go in a bat for my physio real quick, just just in short. Like, I went in there. I'm, I think, I, I don't know what you boys are, are like, but I'm kind of lucky. Like, DBA pays for physio until like back and back and knees is kind of a common thing that gets fucked up. And the like, I wanted to go in and, and get into training again and, and do something. Um, and I think the common misconception that a lot of the boys have got, like the '80s model of workers comp and it's the same as dva like if dva is paying for something and you get caught doing squats but you told them that your knees are fucked like everyone gets worried going oh are they are they going to think i'm dodgy and and my physio was like mate like you are doing eight weeks oh she didn't say eight she said we're doing x amount of time of no weight because I, I went in there with no back no no glutes no hammies and she's like you've just got to teach them to fire once we teach them to fire you're doing fucking heavy squats and i'm like is that how, how does that play out if like I come here getting free physio because through DVA and then for my knees because I, I went in there my ITVs were just fucked um, all inflamed because that, that was pretty much like I said before bones and ligaments were doing all the lifting for me there was no muscle firing um, but then after we she taught me like muscle memory and taught me how to activate them she's like start going heavy um, not not straight like real quick but progressive overload back into it and now like I, I don't. I still get days where it's where it hurts, but it's fucking way better. And that's from strength training. It's not from yeah. sitting down doing nothing and resting. Yeah, and you can't. And like, you know, we hear it all the time. Squats are bad for your knees. It's like, do you know what's actually bad for your knees? Being fat and overweight. It's like <laughs> we need <laughs> we need this integration of like and I, I agree with you, physio, and what she said, but I challenge her into the point of, you know. Cool, let's teach him how to activate it in isolation and get this engagement. But then let's go put him in a, in a in a safer, more regressed deadlift, like an RDL, and get him to use it straight away. Because I need you, now I'm talking specifically athletic performance, but I need you to perform, not right now, but I need you to perform in the next six months. And we don't have time to waste. Yeah, I agree. I mean, 
strength device. Be guys defense. She, she probably told me that shit and I wasn't listening, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You just claim Shepard. That's what he does. Just like telling everything. <laughs> In one ear, out the other, do what the fuck I want. <laughs> so what's com- what's coming up next for the for the for how did COVID affect like your gym, bro, and people rocking up and and what what are the big comps coming up, and then how do we get a sticker on Bloody Kane, big Bloody Swiss um, sticker on Bloody Dude? Yeah, I'm waiting on you to get bigger shirts, you kids. What size do you need? What size do you need? Five XL, five XL. Ah, bed sheet. I'll get you one. <laughs> just just move it. <laughs> um, look, the Rona definitely like fucking took it. It took a hit on the gym, mainly the community aspect. Like I was more concerned. Like a lot of people come here, as you said before, to get that sense of community, that sense of belonging, and all that sort of stuff. So I was more worried about, the, I guess, the mental side effect of that. Um, other than that, man, like as soon as the gyms reopened, everybody came back. You know, we've had an increase in memberships um, to the small boutique gyms like this. I think that's because people are just searching for more and more sense of community now that, you know, coming out of isolation, being all alone, they want to be part of something more. So that's been really good. Uh, Myself personally with business, like I did a little bit more online stuff. I took the opportunity to rest. Like I've been self-employed for fucking nearly 10 years. So like I spent some time with my missus, which was really cool, read a heap, upskilled the best I could with a lot of the online courses that was coming out. Um, and then just try to stay in touch with my clients, do some online coaching, and that's about it. And once we came back, man, like it's it's been guns blazing, and you know we're lucky up here in Queensland to to kind of get a control of the coronavirus pretty pretty quick. And we've got a whole bunch of comps leading up. Um, the next six months, let's talk specifically about Sheps a bit more. You know, building that foundation over the next three months, and then leading into another big comp next year. Granted, it all goes ahead with this this bullshit. Uh, but he's he's definitely set to to push that upper limit and be be on that world stage where he belongs. Like I have no doubt you'll see him at that comp I, I spoke about before, big dogs um, in, in the years to come. Thanks, man. Wow. Yeah, that's the only compliment. That's the only compliment you'll ever get from me. So he's recorded that, right? <laughs> no, they're going to edit that out for me. They can't. People yeah, don't we'll know we're Yeah. <laughs> So I don't I'll, who the fuck come up with big dogs, mate? Like, oh, we need a name, big dog. Yeah, was so that like this, uh, it is bloke down in Melbourne. So he's, I guess, the reason powerlifting is so big in Australia, and Australia is kind of seen as like the focal point of you know some of the biggest names in the history of the sport. Um, he's just this this Greek dude that just loves the sport and just wonders like, I want to know who's the fucking strongest man on the planet in. And um, he just came up with this slogan after one person was like, big dog's got to eat. And he's like, that's what we're fucking calling it. So, yeah. It makes sense too. Like the lightest bloke to compete in the first competition, well, he was 143 kilos. Like it's fucked. But then you got a bloke who competed last year. Yeah. So Yuri Belkin's probably pound for pound the best powerlifter in the world. Like he was 110 kilos going up against blokes, you know, who had 80 kilos on him and he came third. So just a freak of a human being. That lifts like 430, squats over 400. Squatted 455, bench like 220, 230 or something. 
Definitely on the state funded subs there. <laughs> Why not, oh, mate? Why not? Oh, he just wants to win everything. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm putting in an order for 5XL soon. Thanks, I won't say tonight because it might be, nah, I've nah. got to figure it. No, nah, I'm probably not. I'm probably going to have another beer and not do any work this over. But yeah, we'll definitely we'll get some in for you, mate. We'll get some in. Is there other boys up there that are going to that are going to need them, or should I just cast them? What are you a handful of them? Yeah, bro. I'll um I'll flick you an email. We'll definitely get get on hold, and um you know every every comp we we chuck on the logos of the guys that support us. So we're more than we'll chuck that Swiss Eight logo up on the on the shirts and and get them out there that everyone see it. I know Johnny Bebo too, who you guys have been in talks with. Um, they're still running their Capo States and all the proceeds from the door, I believe, is still going to you guys as well. That's going ahead when October. So, what do you reckon on. about getting a, um, a, a pe- intro to powerlifting program for the app? Because I reckon yeah, from, what you've, from what you boys have said today, there's going to be a lot of young boys and girls that are keen to get it. Well, not, not even young. Like, um, if you can hit your... PRs when you're still in your late 30s, I might get into it as well. But there'll be a lot of people interested in getting into powerlifting and, and not knowing where to start. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know what you've seen so far, but everything we try and do is just give them basic intro, get people excited, and then go send go to the see the boys if you want to get serious about it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like that's something we can definitely do. And like I've we've got plenty of training videos that we can attach so people are doing things right and know how to do things uh, from the get go. Yeah, nice. Sounds good. You boys are fucking legends, man. And 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 like the the army tried to the army moved to AOCP, which was a, which was a bastardized uh, version of the big three lifts that done poorly, uncoached with people that don't know what they're talking about. Um, and and it honestly made it's a fucking dog yeah, breakfast. Ah, yeah. mm. uh, it's a dog yeah. breakfast, dude. I, I like, like I spend a bit of time, you know, in like getting to speak at certain events about, you know, lifting. So I can remove myself from a lot of the social media bullshit because I'm just like, you know, you saw me rant today. I'll just throw my phone at someone and be like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I think dudes really get into it, man. And, and look, and um, having you guys on, I appreciate you taking the time out. Champ, I know, oh, fuck, thanks. mate. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invite. It's been sick. Um, I'm gonna have to get you on. He's got some comps coming up, and uh, you got some stuff going on, bro. We'll get you on, and and we can we can diffuse some myths in the in the world, and um, see how we go, eh? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks so much, guys. Cheers, guys.